In the words of Public Enemies Chuck D, bring the noise. Film Podcast Network. I am Charlie Taylor, and this is what's good. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you've all had a good week. This one is a special one, ladies and gentlemen. As you can gather by the music, as I told you when I initially went to the Chalk Gang, I said that whenever I play this, it's going to be a special. And here we are, it's a special. And uh, honestly, I'm I'm super excited for, for you to, for you guys to hear this one. Um, so in the past week, uh, I've been uh, chopping up with um, a. In my mind, I just boiled it down to like you know poetry, hip hop artist, um, and you know just, a, just 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 an overall just a hip hop gem, uh, a real hidden gem in my mind um, as an artist. So uh, yeah, we have a we have a great conversation uh, about just hip hop, his career, his uh, his upbringing. Uh, how he saw hip hop as a vessel for creativity, how he saw poetry and poetry writing and spoken word as a form of creativity, trying to create a community for himself. Honestly, if you're a hip hop fan in any fashion, you will enjoy this conversation. I firmly believe that. So, who am I talking about? Well, you've obviously gathered by the title, but I am talking to Otis Mensa for the for this episode, and uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just. Totally excited for you guys to hear this one. It's it's a it's a great conversation. Um, as, if you know if you know me, the things he says just goes right up a friggin' alley. Uh, just from a you know just from a uh, moral and ethics perspective, but also just being a fellow hip hop fan, it's just it's just it's just refreshing to me. Uh, just a side note for you for you guys when you listen, uh, there's going to be some uh, you know differences in terms of how it's uh, how you hear it. So, for most of the conversation, we come, uh, we chatted by um, obviously like uh, just like a WhatsApp video chat, you know, and uh, he recorded via a dictaphone. And uh, so later in the later in the interview, his dictaphone dies. Um, so it basically turns into a <laughs> it turns into like an LBC phoned. <laughs> so uh, apologies for that. I'm gonna try and make it just a little less. Uh, I'm gonna make that transition to it. You'll 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 definitely know when it's happening. Uh, I'm gonna make that transition a little bit smoother than it probably would than it probably is when I started it in this. Uh, but regardless, uh, we still get it done uh, amongst all the technical difficulties. And uh, regardless of that, regardless of how it sounds, you know, I would personally love it to sound a bit better. Of course, you know, you know me and my anal uh, my analness about this about these kind of things. But the conversation itself is absolutely rewarding. And uh, just uh, yeah, just a, just a great just a great conversation about hip hop and uh, and a great hip hop bias such as himself. So without further ado, four minutes before we begin, we have the email, of the Twitter, we have the IG, Facebook, and all of that. But without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, my conversation with Otis Mensah. Enjoy. So 
what it's meant, sir. What is good, sir? All is good. I'm, uh, I'm happy that we can finally do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Behind the curve for you guys. Uh, it's been a lot of couple of days of just like, uh, can we reschedule? Can we reschedule? So, <laughs> it's all good. Of, uh, trying to reschedule things. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. That's no. It's no worries at all. It's, uh, it's almost. We're getting it done, so it's all, it's all it's full, fine by me. So um, I usually begin uh, most interviews like uh, in terms of just where you started, uh, not just career-wise, but I guess life-wise. So like, uh, where was you born? Uh, how was life for you, I guess, as a kid? And uh, what was life like around you, like environment-wise? Yeah, so... Um... I don't know. It's always hard when when uh, sort of asked early life questions, you know. Um, mm. And I mean, so I, 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 I definitely didn't have a, a traumatic enough childhood to to have blotted it out. But I do always feel <laughs> like my memory is uh, is super hazy, and I only ever really remember um, sort of very uh, brief s- snapshots of things, you know. Um, right. But no, like, uh, you know, fr- from what I do remember, I had quite the pleasant childhood. Um, I, you know, I would spend time, my my mum and dad uh, lived in different households So fr- from when I was a baby. So I uh, often spent time with my mum in the week or maybe with my grandparents when she was working. And then I would mm. spend time with my with my dad on weekends or in weekdays vice uh, on weekdays vice versa. Um and I think I think it was interesting because as I as I sort of um sort of got older, not too much older, probably about um about 6 or 8 uh, 6 to 8 so sort of my mum had more of a strong uh influence of faith of christian faith mm. um so we would go to church on sundays and uh you know i think that in in many ways inspired sort of the writer i am now you know this uh this this feeling of of sort of listening to somebody on a pulpit sort of talk, talk, talk through scriptures and also talk through, I don't know, life experiences and such. And then I, I think I was always the the sort of um, kind of person to sit in the pews but also, you know, be questioning everything, always questioning everything in the back of my mind. Um, and then spending time with my dad, you know, my dad is very into music, very into hip-hop. So I had that huge influence there. My dad was a DJ. My mum okay. uh, leans more towards poetry. Uh, so this is a sort of natural, um, I guess, nat- natural uh, influence of, of um, yeah, so, sort of uh, ways of dealing with life, you know. So, like, m- my dad... Uh, Confining in music, my mum uh, writing poetry as a form of therapy, and I, I, I guess it's uh, subconscious, but nevertheless, it happened that I ended up walking a similar path. You know? Yeah, it's actually quite interesting um, for those like me that listening to music is actually just uh, it pretty much just says it all, isn't it? It's just like one half is poetry, on the other side is hip hop influences, and obviously everything that has to do with that. So that's actually kind of fascinating in terms of just background. It's just like how you, I guess, absorbed a little bit of little bit of both, and happened to turn that into, I guess, what you are now as an artist. So, I guess, um, 
Well, what 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 came first specifically uh, in that case? Was it the poetry side of it, or was it just the enjoyment of, I guess, hip hop and that side of it, which which came first for you? I guess it was the enjoyment. I guess I got into uh, it's like the usual suspects, Eminem and Kanye West. Um, okay. But then I think when I was about when I was about fifteen, my dad gave me a my dad gave me a CD of um, Things Fall Apart by The Roots. And uh, I think that album was a sort of turning point for me. I sort of listened to it. Yeah, but I sort of I, I I put it on the back burner for quite a while. I was like, oh, blah 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 blah. Uh, not really that bothered. I got it home, yeah. put it in my laptop to put onto my. Uh, it was my iPod probably back then, as in the uh, the the old. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I put it onto my iPod and um, sort of was was sort of. Uh, transcended into this world that I had that I previously known nothing about, you know. Um, yeah, and it just it it, it gave me a, a a sort of burning hunger and and uh, urge to learn more about the culture. It's like where what what is this music? It's like what what is this language? Um, and and yeah, I, I was I was fascinated with the skill, like how um, how fast. Uh, like one's thinking processes can be, and but also how profound and uh, poetic and philosophical they can be while still maintaining rhythm. You know, it's like I found that crazy. Um, previous to this, I think I was I was way more into grime and and just by by default of being from the UK and growing up in school at that time, and I mm-hmm. I. Um, it, you know, it was fun for me to sort of like write in in that sort of uh, perspective. You know, it's so like in the schoolyard, like clashing in the school with friends and stuff. It was it felt very new. It felt um, it felt incredible to know that this music and art form was from the UK. And I think there was some sort of implicit awareness of that. Um, you know, because you grow up see like like I was saying, the usual suspects, Eminem, Kanye West, whoever, and you're very aware that that's from the states. And though you can relate in many ways, it is very, it's very American. You know, so like, and it, it and it perhaps yeah. doesn't doesn't um, hit home with you in the same way. So you know, just listening to Graham with my friends in the schoolyard, it's like trying to participate in it. I think at some point. I realized that I was pretending to be something that I wasn't in order to try and participate. It's like right. having a preconceived idea of what I should rap like, you know, as a grime MC or who I should be right. as a grime MC. And and I think it was deeper than it, it wasn't just to do with me participating in grime. It was to do with me wanting to fit in and not knowing who I was, not having a strong sense of identity. So I think in my later teens, perhaps when I was about 17, I sort of made more of a an effort to try and, I guess in many ways, isolate myself from my peers and, and try and understand more about what I liked um, and, right. and what I believe and how I want to live my life and, you know, what I see as admirable um, and what I don't see as admirable. Trying to learn some sort of uh, philosophy for myself, define that, carve that out and and have a sort of fresh perspective that I can call my own because I don't think I had that before. I was more a leaf in the wind, as I think many many mm-hmm. people are as teenagers, you know? But then yeah, no. I, I think that's when the seed uh, that was planted when I was in my early teens uh, sort of, you know, started to grow and, and, and give birth. This idea that, oh, actually, perhaps, you know, 
my my sanctuary was in hip hop all along, you know, rediscovering the roots then, and then rediscovering Kid Cudi, um, and discovering Childish Gambino, and hearing people talk openly about their anxiety, their depression, um, speaking vulnerably. Uh, that's something that I feel I was lacking because I, I felt so alone in how I was feeling, you know, feeling isolated, feeling um, sort of, uh, you know, like I like a foreign object, you know, feeling so foreign, like I didn't fit in anywhere. Um, so this music provided a sort of sanctuary for me. These the the Kid Cudi's, the the Roots, the Childish Gambinos, um, the atmospheres. So then I realized, you know, oh, perhaps I can I can use this art form of writing and, and hip-hop um, as a means of therapy. And perhaps it can help somebody else like it helped me. And then I think that's mm. what um, that's what led me to the path I'm on now, you know? That sort of thinking process. Yeah, for sure. I think, so. going back to what you said previously about um, how you were, I guess, aware that um, they were Americanized and they weren't, you know like where we were from it's obviously clearly like a another world uh, i guess you could say that as well i find that actually quite interesting because i didn't re- i i personally um didn't really think about that kind of thing until pretty recently in the past couple of years like you know when you when i for years i listened to um you know people like people like you were talking about like you mentioned um and it wasn't until the past couple of years I was just like, there are UK artists that are just as good, even if not better. But for some, but for some reason, we just like see. Obviously, because hip hop was born in America, sure I get it. But in that case, in just like a, in some sense, I just feel like there's some there's some places where you can find. Uh, you know, great representations of hip hop, and I think UK is one of those places. But I just, I just don't think, we, I just don't think we get that chance to say that. You know, what I mean, it's it's very interesting you say that. So I, I totally agree. Like I, you know, I, 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 I speak of it as if I had some sort of a, like a strong awareness as a teenager, and I don't think it was. I think, yeah, yeah, I don't think it was. I think it was more so like, um, perhaps it was, it was less like. Uh, these these are American artists, and more so that these are mainstream artists, and perhaps don't speak for me. Because when I okay. when I discovered the Roots, when I discovered Tribe Called Quest, when I discovered Kid Cudi, um, which I know are all three very completely different artists, but I felt that there was something uh, there was there was a sort of um, universal principle that they all shared, which was this sort of poetic vulnerability. When I realised that sort of quality in, in all of these artists. Um, the American U- UK thing cared, uh, mattered less, you know? And what mattered more was this idea that there was this culture that sort of transcended uh, geography, you know? Because that's something that I really believe in. I mean, I I just happened to be born where I was born. I just happened to, you know, be born in the city where I was from. And, you know, I, and, and this is... It, this goes way deeper and way way more sort of uh core to my philosophy the fact that you know i don't i don't feel so concrete about where i'm from i you know i i am sort of i am my art you know i am my musical interests i am my uh 
you know, our, 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 our ideas and our conversations and my friends and family. You know, if you s- suddenly start to pluck those things away from uh, geography and the actual location I'm in, the place starts to look less like home and it's not really where I'm from, you know? Right. So so I, I don't have this strong attachment to geography really anymore. So I think... Um, I think that came from this this sort of uh this sort of need to sort of dissolve um sort of patriotism it's like that I felt through yeah, even through music you know trying to figure yeah. out like oh what are the universal principles that connect us okay so this poetic vulnerability helped me so much when I discovered artists who had it you know so this quality sort of led me down a path that was way more in many ways, I mean, quite a politicized word, so I'm, I'm, I fear using it, but in a, a more, a more globalized word, uh, world, you know. And the internet helped, obviously. The internet led me into that because I'm, I'm connecting to people from LA, connecting to people from Germany, from Canada, and it feels like though, though I'm in this room that holds me like physically, it feels the ideas are moving beyond like uh walls and beyond uh, borders you know mm. yeah that's a that's, that's very interesting way of putting it because because obviously um i guess like you said if you weren't um if you weren't into grime or uk rappers uh is 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 popularized as now like what 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 can you be what can you be into in terms of like UK music other than like maybe rock or whatever you know or or a bit of soul music neo soul so if you're not if you're not part of that then you just have to I guess look outwards and you know try and find your own niche so so to speak and uh, yeah I I could I completely I completely see that so obviously you said uh, obviously the inspirations was like um, people like the Roots Gambino Cuddy and and such. Uh, so what was the how was the introduction or what was the introduction for you uh on the poetry side obviously you said it came from your mother but what was the i guess um where did the journey start for you in terms of trying to write in a poetic sense uh obviously perform in a poetic sense because for the people that haven't seen you live like i have recently um it's 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 not like it's not like a traditional you know hip hop act. Obviously, there's hip hop elements, but the way you perform is very you know it's very free flowing. It's a bit theatrical in a way. So I just I find that I find that very interesting. So like where where was he? We know where the seed was planted, but how how did you grow that in in that sense? Um, I think uh, when when I got into hip hop. Uh, and you know, I sort of did my um, did my sort of research on the culture, and I don't know some of the forefathers uh, and 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 people who were, you know, key figures in the music and in the culture. Um, right. I think the one part about the element of emceeing that stuck out to me was this uh, this form of sort of braggadocio, you know, proving that you're mm-hmm. the best. Um, yeah, and I felt this was very important about hip-hop. When I first got into it, I thought this was the most important part. It's like, prove that you're the best lyrically. Stand strong as an MC. you know? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. very sort of battle rap, but without the battle rap, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and I think, you know, like, trying to share that kind of music in a live environment, 
I realized that it wasn't having much of an impact. It's like I, 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 I remember sh- doing like some of my first shows and I was thinking like, well, why isn't this music connecting in the way, you know, that I want it to? Um, and then yeah, it, it came to this, uh, this sort of eureka moment where I was like, oh, actually the music that I enjoy isn't necessarily the stuff that's the most um, lyrically agile, you know, or you know, is fitting a billion words into 116, you know? So I, I started to think, like, what can I do in order to uh, make my music connect? Because though it's therapeutic for me to share my music, uh, for, for me to write music and, and write poetry, a big yeah. part of the therapy, I think, is is sharing, you know, this feeling that there's this exchange of emotion. And that exchange wasn't happening with the music that I was creating early on. So... Okay. Yeah, I, again, I, I keep coming back to it. Back, back to this poetic vulnerability. I, I, I feel like I found that, and that was a sort of mantra for me, and a sort of uh, quality that I wanted to, uh, I wanted to inject into my music. You know, um, Childish Gambino has this this line at the end of his first album, Camp, uh, where he says something like, um, "I'm paraphrasing, but he says something like, uh, you know, if." If everybody everybody knows everything about me, if everybody knows everything about me, then you know uh, what can you sort of hold against me? Do you know what I mean? Like he's already told you everything, um, and that that really stuck out to me because I think I have this this fear as an artist of well, not just as an artist as a human being. I definitely had that fear, and it definitely has some remnants still in me of am I an imposter? You know, it's like am I? Uh, as a human, am I am I genuine? Am I authentic? Um, and I and I think it probably has its stems in sort of race uh, and my my identity battles with race from like being uh-huh. an early teenager, not feeling as Earl Sweatshirt said, um, too black for the white kids and too white for the blacks. You know, I felt that deep on as a as a teenager. Um, so I think it, yeah. it it possibly stems from that, but stems from many things. You know, not feeling like I fit into a social a social circle, etc. So. Um, this thing that Childish Gambino said stuck out to me so, sort of, uh, so it, it, it felt so imperative. And um, I figured the way that, that that I can do that, the way that I can sort of have that self-empowerment of, you know, having the benefit of having told everybody all my flaws and, and or, you know... Um, and having been totally honest to people is to move away from braggadocio and move more into what I consider sort of stream of consciousness and 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 poetic um, sort of poetic uh, confessionalism. You know, it's like being being more confessional through my work. So I think that's what led me down to a path of being more. I don't know what would be traditionally considered poetic because don't get me wrong I I don't see anything unpoetic about I don't know big pun I still see it as as poetry you know so I I came to this I, w- I was in this place where I wanted a certain result not just for other people but not not just in the terms of how my music is externally accepted but how I feel about my music you know do I feel self empowered um do I feel like the burden that I've been uh, bearing is being released when I'm uh, when I'm performing and when I'm writing. So I wanted that, mm. you know. So I, I I think that's when I made a conscious decision to move into something that was more um, honest and less um, less based about you know flexing or bragg- braggadocio. Um, 
So yeah, and then and then sort of going to open mic nights and and seeing different places where the music was best received. I always felt that in in many senses my music was best received in uh poetic circles, maybe sometimes traditionalist. Sometimes you would get the odd look of like oh yeah, like what are you doing? Like you're rapping, there's rhythm to it, it doesn't right. make sense, it's not It's not yeah. real poetry. You know, so you felt that, there was always that influence there, especially if you go to more like stuffy poetry nights. But then I did find beautiful pockets of, uh, I guess in many ways, like free poetic speech. You know, I, I we talk, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know if we spoke about it, but we, uh, I think last time we met, we spoke about penting. It's like Penting in London, the poetry night is is another one of those spaces where it's like I feel there's such um, there's such a room and a space to be free and poetic, you know. Um, right. So finding places like that where where I feel that th- there's mental space for my my words to be received, um, and and then yeah, I guess playing playing with artists, playing live with artists who who. Um, who I guess also share a similar philosophy, who also want to bear a burden when they're sharing their art and sort of unite the audience together, create this sense of community. So, yeah, when I discovered that... Sorry for for blabbering on. When I discovered that, I sort of moved more into honesty and less into braggadocio. So I guess inherently that's more poetic, you know? I guess. Or seems Uh, seems more poetic or can can seem more poetic, not necessarily is more poetic, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I could definitely understand that. that uh, mention about big puns actually kind of, uh, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting thinking about that because you constantly, you know, I'm constantly listening to you know hip hop music like the people know, and it's just like you don't think of it like that sometimes, um, unless they're doing it in a, you know, um, in a poetry night kind of way if that makes any sense in the uh in, in how people you know think about uh poetry because you know when people do think about it like that in the you know traditional sense it's it's either you know reading Shakespeare or or that kind of uh spoken word where you know they're they're they're, they're finding pockets and it's not on beat yeah exactly <laughs> It's not. It's not like on beat kind of thing. Like you know, just going all over the place. You know, it's very cliched, but um, <laughs> but you know, you know, there's a lot of hip hop out there that people listen to that you can generally see as poetry. Just take away the beat, and it's kind of you know, it just it just turns into something completely different. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, like, uh, I, 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 there's so many problems with. Separate the separation of um, sort of MCs being poets, you know, the, you know, sort of the classic poetry world looking at MCs as if they're not poets. There's so many issues and there's so many uh, deep rooted <laughs> sort of uh, just problematic origins of where that that sort of attitude comes from. But yeah. wholeheartedly, when you look at the work, when you compare uh, Blackfoot to, I don't know, whoever you want to put him against, Shakespeare. Um, right. Blackfoot wins every time, you know? Yeah. In my opinion, and, and, and the reason I say that is because not only is someone like Blackfoot poetically profound and vulnerable, in the same way that Shakespeare is, but they have a sort of practicality to their music that 
some that consuming an art form like Shakespeare can't always have. You know, there's a certain uh, it's of the times. Not only is it of the times, but um, you know, it's of the essence. It's it's of your environment. You can relate to it, and there's a message in there that sort of uh, that sort of you know tell, tells you what to do. Sort of, you know, and and not not prescriptively, but in a in a sort of it, 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 it's sort of a guide to get up out of uh, out of your I don't know whether it's your mental oppression or whether it's your yeah. depression. I feel that there's there's a certain practicality to uh, the poetry that exists in hip hop that perhaps yeah. is that that I think is sort of unmatched anywhere else in in the poetry world. You know? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean. Look at any other genre; they're not packing in as much words. You know, just just from a numbers game, they're not packing in as many words. So there's so with with hip hop, there's so much more you can you can talk about this, and you can go into such unique depth with it. Um, it's like blues, right? It's like um, blue in blues. There's this need. To, in blues and jazz, jazz more more politically, and of course because there was yeah. there was less words in jazz. You're speaking with your instrument, but yeah. so in jazz it's it's more uh, it's more political and more uh, perhaps subconscious. Though it comes from jazz, this needs to be authentic, and I don't mean authentic, you know, in the politicized way of the word. I mean authentic in true to oneself. There's this need to be true to oneself and be completely wholeheartedly honest in the art that you're expressing. This comes from jazz and you feel it in blues and you feel all that sort of amalgamated together and, and injected into what was, you know, born as hip hop culture and hip hop music. The other genres, you know, traditionally genres like uh, classic rock or electronic um, not to say you know electronic doesn't have roots in hip hop music musically, but I'm just saying in 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 traditional pop or sort of mainstream electronic music or indie rock, there's not this uh, there's not the same sort of need to express one's true self. You know nobody's fact checking. Uh, I don't know, Bombay Bicycle Club. Like nobody's saying, but but is that how? Are you really from there? Or do, or did you really do that? But you can see, like with I don't know, I I for a lack of a better example, I think about Rick Ross. You know how Rick Ross portrays a certain lifestyle, and uh-huh. you know as soon as there's a there's a sort of uh, fear that he not fear a sort of a, a feeling that he isn't who he says he is. People don't like that. You know they want to know exactly. Um, whether the person is authentic or not, true to themselves or not. And I feel that's so unique to hip-hop, and I think that's why it becomes so practical when sharing it, because you have these artists who are really bearing their soul. They have to, because that's their only way to truly participate in the culture. It has to be honest, because it's because hip-hop was... You know, it was a it's a, a sort of social anthropology, a sort of social reporting. You know, I mean, right. pop music is is always going to be pop music. You can make music to make feel, people feel happy. You can make people music to make people feel sad. To uh, mm-hmm. marketize a certain thing, to uh, talk about a new Mercedes Benz, that's always going to be pop music to sort of sell sell a narrative. Whereas hip hop, it was about directly 
educating people, you know, it's like the idea of a cipher, a group of people coming together in a circle and sharing knowledge. There's no hierarchy mm. there, and there's this equal um, sort of uh, translation of knowledge, you know. So yeah, I, I think that's where it comes from, you know, and that's that's why, as a hip hop artist, I think there's a poetic practicality to what you do. I think, I think I've gone complete sidetrack to this conversation about just what hip hop is. It's just so, like, honestly, I really get these. I really get these opportunities. <laughs> I have a damn hip hop podcast, bro. I just, I'm just like, this is, this is good. This is existential. I love it. <laughs> I, love it. I love a bit of existentialism. You have no idea. Um, <laughs> okay, so let's just, let's, let's just I guess, uh, uh, pull ourselves back and uh let me we'll just get back to uh i guess uh you in your career right um so when you were when you were starting out obviously you said you were going to different places open mics poetry nights whatever um did you i forget did you say specifically where you obviously i guess in terms of how you are now um there were certain places i guess there were more um uh, what's the word? I guess uh, comfortable with how with how you did your how you did your work. I guess. Yeah. So um, I went to. I I, I don't. I, I I rarely performed in Sheffield growing up. Um, I was you know so entrenched and and uh, fascinated with the internet, and I I thought that you know that was the way how you can make a career for yourself. You know, you put out the right video, you put out a song that's uh, that's relevant enough. And then your career is born from the internet, you know, because that's that's that was my first sort of um, sort of I guess example of how people were creating careers, careers, you know. Yeah, when when did you think about that, by the way? Like, how, what what time of year was that? What what year was that specifically? So, probably I I was I was starting to think about that more from probably two thousand and eleven. Uh, okay. 2010, 2011. I got really into um, I got really into Tech Nine and uh, Strange Music and, and all the music that he releases online. And I saw the sort of uh, speed that he was releasing music and the quality of the videos. And I was like, this surely has to be the key. Um, yeah. And then I think at some point I listened to him in an interview and he was talking about, you know, really the key for an independent artist is. Um, performing live and and making sure you go to places where nobody else goes and then you go back to those places every time and you make those connections and you build that community so then i started to my my view started to change at the same time i started to uh my 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 sixth form at school was coming to an end so i went to go and study at um at acm which is a music college or university based in uh, surrey in guildford so i moved right. away from home for the first time uh, okay. I'd, I'd stayed at home through my teenagehood and then gone to sixth form in the same place I went to school, you know? Um, yeah. so moving away, I went to study music and, and though, um, though in many ways the six, the, 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 the music, uh, university didn't provide me with a, um, a direct, obvious, blatant opportunity to move into the music industry. It provided me yeah. with some tools um about how 
independent you actually have to be and how much you actually have to do yourself. So I took it upon myself during that time to share my music in every uh, every possible opportunity I got. So I, I, went, I, I swear we went to about 100 open mics or something stupid like that. <laughs> uh, so we'd go to open mics, whether people wanted to hear us or not. But I'd go to poetry nights. I'd, I'd travel to London, go to the odd poetry night there. Um... And then when it came to the to the time for my course to finish, I went back to Sheffield and I wanted to continue that sort of same ethos of doing as much as I can. And Sheffield at this point mm. was sort of uh, an old place in my mind. You know, it wasn't somewhere where I could build a music career. It usually happens when you broaden your horizons, isn't it? <laughs> Exactly. So I, I yeah. you know, I thought I'd gone off, and then I was going to stay in London, and I was going to stay near London to like build a career. But so anyway, coming back home, knowing that I can stay at home, maybe save some money. I think my plan was like, come home, get a job, save some money, enough to move out and have some comfortability. Um, mm. Move, maybe, maybe move to London. Um, in the meantime, I start doing more live shows in Sheffield. I start to discover that Sheffield has a, uh, an incredible scene um, that I'd never sort of been uh, exposed to before. You know, as I said, I was I was a child of the internet before. I just spent time online. You know, in other countries through the internet. You know, it's like looking at yeah. hip hop in LA, looking at hip hop in Germany, blah blah blah. Yeah. So uh, discovering locality and scene in Sheffield really sort of. Uh, opened my mind and I, I I I realized that I could I could sort of try and build something up here. So I continued doing live shows. I did as many as I could, even when there was two people there, one people one person there, even when people weren't listening. You know, I continued to perform to my best ability because that was true to the advice that I'd heard from artists like Tech Nine when I was this child of the internet, like looking for all the advice I could possibly get. You know, so. I think that's that's how I sort of um, got down a path of sort of live performing and gigging more, and also just being more comfortable in my home city and and building my own life in my own city and and learning that there's so much art and poetry here. So I, I felt you know maybe there is space for me to grow after all. What I thought was a a sort of goldfish with a goldfish bowl with no space sort of became um, became something bigger that I could uh, that I could grow into myself in you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that's actually quite a uh, uh, very hard left turn for some people to think about because there's a lot of people, me included, probably, <laughs> that just like think like as soon as you, as soon as I went to university, I was just like, damn, my play, my my home ain't nothing. <laughs> so it's like point. I was just like, you know, just I don't know, hop off to London and try and try and make a career there or something like that or something of that effect. But the fact that you found like you know you actually you know, looked around your home in Sheffield and actually managed to uh, carve out your own, I guess, uh, community or however you want to, however you want to phrase it, um, is kind of, um, is kind of commendable and kind of fascinating, to be honest. Uh, I think that's kind of a rare thing, especially for a place uh, that I don't, I don't personally know what, what what happens in Sheffield, uh, other than maybe two football teams, but other other than that... (laughs) Yeah, you know I mean, so yeah, it's 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 kind it's kind of fascinating. So uh, that's that's very commendable. So um, once you, I guess, once you started um uh carving out that niche for yourself, um when and obviously taking the advice from I guess what Tech Nine was doing in terms of 
constantly doing live shows and constantly, you know, just trying to create connections in that fashion. When was the time for you to, you know, start um, making music to that, you know, obviously there's just that you can put out to other people and um, obviously have that, you know, typical career in that sense. I think I was trying to do that whilst doing the live shows, you know. So I, um, when I moved back to Sheffield, uh, in, in when I was studying down south, I, I had put out some singles. I'd done, uh, I'd done this thing where I, uh, I found some of my favorite, perhaps not always my favorite, but some of, uh, some of my likable um, sort of songs from from the sort of indie rock rock sort of world it's like some bombay okay. bicycle club songs some fallout boy songs some uh and and i tried to do the this thing where it's like i'm rapping over them and this gained quite a few listens on uh, on on soundcloud and stuff so it was quite um it's quite positive but i realized that i i it's like after trying to do that again and again that i couldn't replicate it i i i felt like i had to move forward so i was like how can i um release myself as an artist almost you know because i feel as an artist you're always thinking well not quite enough people are seeing it so i'm not quite the artist i'm supposed to be yet you know so i'm always looking for a a sort of new beginning it's like when when my new album comes comes out then i'll be the artist that i am you know it's this idea of you need to reinvent yourself until you gain enough attention so when I came back home, I wrote this mixtape over my favorite Jay Diller instrumentation. I, I felt like nice. this is the best way I can sort of represent myself um, at this moment without access to to any producers or anything like that. So I, I put that out. I did a sort of run of CDs. Um, I got some incredible artwork done by uh, a, sort of a friend over the Internet. Um, and I, and I, I got a job working at... Um, working in a hotel, uh, doing pot washing, um, to pay for my music videos. So I just, I, it was this, the worst job of my life. It's like, I go to, go to the hotel. I had eczema all over my hands. So like I had to, you know, it's like get deep, grimy and dirty in the, uh, in the dirty pots, like washing them. Yeah, sorry. yeah not not Explain good. It, man. Yeah, I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, working like you know the hours weren't that long, but the times were very strange. So it's often I'd I'd work I'd leave at like uh, half twelve to get to work for one, uh, and then mm. finish at like eleven, but then have to clean up eleven p.m. and then have to clean up. So you get out about 1am and then you come home, you're not tired because your mind's buzzing because you've had no free time. So you go on the internet, you start writing, then you get up not too long after till you have to be back at work again. So I was just doing that and then for the, I I was only doing it part time and then I was just putting that money straight into my music videos. Um... And just releasing them on on this LA based uh, YouTube channel called the Cipher Effect, uh, which I discovered before I before I left uh, for university. So I I, mm-hmm. I, I I was just trying to do as much as I can. Um, and then when I finally created this this uh, mixtape, that's when I was like, okay, let me let me start performing this live. Let this this has to be the start of me, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Then in two thousand and sixteen. 
late 2016, early 2017, somewhere around those lines, I got booked for a show in Berlin. So my first show out of seas where they're covering my costs, they're going to provide me a place to stay. This was like a huge thing. I was like, what? It's crazy. It's like I was feeling extremely depressed. Back home, not having my social circle that I'd built at university. Back home, like, you know, working this, like, crappy job just putting out these music videos. So then getting booked for the show was like, oh, man, like, hopefully something is going right, you know? Um, and then at that show, I... Th the show was with an incredible organisation called Poetry Meets Hip Hop, who I, you know, I thank and, like, uh, admire so much for what they're, what they're doing. And they're actually, you know, making an effort to uh, outline the poetic nature of hip hop, which I think is incredible. Um... I met my producer there, so my producer, uh, the intern, saw me perform, who's now my good friend, uh, he saw me perform there, he invited me to uh, come and, he was working at SoundCloud at the time, to come and check out the studio there, so I went down to the studio and he played me some of his beats on the on the thing, and then it was history from there, it's like we just uh, started working over the internet, and then I started visiting, visiting him more to sort of work on music, and then it felt sort of natural that I had a sort of... Uh, a partnership in 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 artistry, you know. So it became easier to to put out music and make music. That's 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 good. That's um, that's, that's, that's mad fascinating. Let's see, poetry meets hip hop. Oh, that's how right. If, if you're ever traveling to Berlin, it is the best thing to check out. They also do soul yeah, meets hip hop. Uh, they yeah. they do poetry meets soul. Should I say, like they do? It's uh -huh. amazing. Yeah. Yeah, what there's there's like I have a few friends that have just gone to Berlin recently, like in the past few years, and like some of like one of them who I've interviewed, shout out Aeson, he um he went to Berlin for a couple of years, basically recorded a whole album there. Uh, another friend went to Berlin literally last year and loved it so much he wants to move there and learn German and everything. It's just like okay, <laughs> I'm trying to move. I'm trying to move, man. I, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Berlin is the place, bro. I'm, I'm missing out yeah. Man, flights are so cheap. It's unbelievable. It's almost it's oh, cheaper wow. for me to get to Berlin than it is to get to London. Oh yeah, that's that's, that's, that's all about trade. We'll be we'll be here for all day. Trust me, bro. Trust me. Don't, don't get me started. <laughs> oh man. Oh, don't get me started. Okay, so um. <laughs> so you uh, link up with the you link up with intern. Um, I guess at that point, that's when you started uh, dropping the EPs that I personally've listened to, and obviously, I guess m many other people have uh, peeped over the past couple of years. So, well, actually, before we get to that, I just want to like um, just for people that haven't heard you, how would you personally describe uh, your music? Obviously, you know we've kind of picked at pieces throughout the whole throughout the whole uh, talk but like how would you just boil how would you just boil yourself down into like uh i guess a few sentences or whatever i i guess um i guess uh, experimental hip-hop you know uh yeah. I, I like the term art rap but i don't feel mm. i have permission to call myself art rap though i adhere to it as an artistic aesthetic you know i'm a big fan of open mike eagle sort of milo rap ferreira um bus driver Though yes, I, yes, yes. yeah, they're all my favourites and, and I really admire them artistically. Though I, I, I would, 
I, I would love to call my music art rap. Uh, I don't quite feel comfortable doing that yet. The last ten, you know, same yeah. with chess man. Yeah, maybe when I've got an open mic eagle feature or something like that. <laughs> yeah, man, same with the chess. Big rap, rap. Yeah, so I just wanted to get to Mum's house first because obviously that was the first EP, uh, first piece of music I got into, um, and you know that time and probably still now to be honest, it's like is I don't really hear um, music like that in that particular lyrical style. Um, so I guess how how's the process for making that uh, EP itself? And uh, well, I'm actually quite interested. Like, how's the reception towards it? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's hard to, to to think back to the process. I think um, Intern had sent me sort of a batch of beats over the over the time that we'd. Um, We'd sort of been talking, and I'd, I, I'd, I'd sort of had an EP idea in mind, and I've just been putting beats aside, um, because you know I, I liked, I liked releasing singles like in 2017, 2018, but personally, I mean, I mean, though that is sort of uh, helpful for building a career because you're always in the public eye. Uh, I don't listen to singles. I listen to albums from start to finish. You know, I listen to projects. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, I, I kept putting beats aside and um, uh, sort of writing, writing bits here and there for for Mum's House Philosopher. And then the title came to me, uh, and the sort of concept behind it. And I think once I had that, uh, it just all sort of fell together. And I mean, it's been received. It's been received. Um, it's been received. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know how well it's been received. Uh, I mean, it's always a battle to to gain exposure, and it's always a battle to get your music out. Though, I mean, I can't deny the the sort of incredible. The reason why I do music in the first place, as we as we spoke about, is for this community. And you know, it's like if I was to say that it hasn't been received well or that I failed, then I would be doing an injustice for the people that have. Uh, listen to the music, you know, and it's not about numbers. It's about you know wh- how it makes people feel, you know. As some of my favorite artists, um, it's like don't have a huge following, you know. It's like my favorite artist of all time who put out um, an album that is probably my favorite album of all time. Two of my favorite albums of all time is Eric Mason, and I mean, he's uh, this sort of obscure, uh, experimental sort of progressive soul artist from Minneapolis and you know it's not like he has this huge platform but like he's creative music that's changed my life forever so you know I, I'm, I'm forever thankful for people who have listened to my music and feel that they can connect with it you know yeah so you said that you obviously had the name and the concept towards it what's the name and what's the concept towards it well I've already said the name but what's the concept towards it yeah, so um, Mum's House Philosopher, uh, the concept is, um, now I've thought about it in more depth, uh, the concept is very much about sort of being able to philosophise outside the establishment, outside of the institutions that exist. Um, it's also linked to the concept of home and, and feeling like, uh, you know, how society quantifies your worth by what you own, you know, it's like, do you mm-hmm, have mm-hmm. a car? Do you own a house? Um, mm. You know, what's your your financial quantum? So, in me saying I'm a mum's house philosopher, it's sort of a, a sort of um, 
in an anarchist sense, a middle finger to that sort of ideology where your worth is is attributed to how much you own. And it's this feeling that, you know, um, outside of their concept of ownership, I can still think free, you know. I may not own anything, but I own my own... um, I own my own uh, freedom of of will, and I own my own uh, volition, you know, of thought. So, yeah, essentially, is is that, and it's also sort of, you know, I, I I've always had an interest for philosophers and philosophy, um, though it becomes hard to really buy into sort of mainstream philosophy, Western philosophy, when you find out that all the you know, all the key thinkers are, you know, these old white men that, you know, not only contributed to a, a racist inst- institution, but also mm-hmm. openly communicated, you know, their mm-hmm. racist beliefs. So I guess it's philosophizing outside of that, you know, philosophy, something that's practical, something that's everyday, something that's for the people and of the people, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I live in my mum's house. <laughs> Yep, 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 yep. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> uh, all right, so that's that's great to be honest. And uh, what's do you have a favorite track from that personally? I think my f- I feel that's fine. I find I find that so fascinating asking that about uh, asking that to artists. Like, what's your favorite track from your project? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think my favorite is probably. Uh, oh, so, so I've got different favorites. So my favorite that I've wrote from the from the project is Bufferings. Um, yep. My favorite to perform, though I'm not I'm not that proud of <laughs> of the lyrics as much as I am the others, is outside the cave. Um, I love that song, man. That's my favorite one, to be honest. That's me. Yeah, man. I still got that other regulation, man. Still blast that. It's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I I mean I I. I I I enjoy my own music. I hope that's not too narcissistic to say. I like. Of course. Why are you doing it if you if you don't rate it? You know what I mean? That's great. No, that's fine. That's gonna be fine. Donald Glover has this joke um, about like, you know, if I worked at Subway, nobody would have a problem with me eating my own sandwiches. It's like. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Exactly. That's perfect. That's perfect metaphor. <laughs> uh, so let's, let's hop right into uh, Rapawex. In the, I love the artwork for that. By the way, um, it took it, it actually took me a while to actually realise what it was. I was just like, oh, those are hands. Oh, right. I was. <laughs> it took me a while to. It took me a while to clock uh, what the artwork was. But uh, the EP itself is great. To be honest, um, obviously it's just just as good in my my view. But. Um, I guess what was the what was the goal towards that? Because obviously, obviously you said like you know your 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 way of doing things is very stream of consciousness in that way. Um, with that said, and having that um, you know style of uh, writing embedded in you, yeah, was there a conscious decision to uh, switch it up compared to Mum's House Philosopher, or was because you have that you know stream of consciousness flow about you and way of doing things was it literally just like here we go here's just another here's another ep of uh of, of slapping hip-hop for you um so i think uh i think i i i mean though i love mum's house philosopher i think i wanted to do something that was um that had less walls you know i i think in mum's house philosopher i'm i'm very much writing uh full songs you know and 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 uh, not in a pop sense obviously they're the, some of the bars are like very long <laughs> so it's definitely not got that yeah. pop appeal yeah. but um 
in Rap Poetics, what I wanted to do is sort of write without uh, any boundaries or a- any need to write something that's catchy or a chorus. I just wanted mm. to um, take my thoughts. I-, I, wanted get- I wanted to get back to the purest form of how I would write when I first started writing hip-hop, you know? Um, sort of just letting my mind go on all different forms of topics. Um, my attention span is getting shorter as a human being, period. I don't know if that's because of the internet or because of society. So I think rap poetics was a was a, a poetic uh, outcome of a short, the short attention span of an artist, you know? So it's like, here's some ideas in its rawest form. Here's how I started doing this, this uh, participating in this culture. Let me just express, you know. Mm. That's very, that's very, that's very interesting and very honest. The fact that you say like, you know, my my attention span shortening. That's actually quite. Not not many people will probably admit that they just like go, no, no, no. I've just got more stuff to do. You know what I mean? I'm just, you know, just got more stuff on my plate. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's very interesting. Um. I'd like to, can I ask about the uh, One Year of Jazz? Because obviously I saw the video to it and I could probably guess what it is about. But like, how did that particular song come about? Uh, so similar to, similarly to everything on Rap Poetics, it's about many things. It's like, uh, I, I, again, didn't have the, the strength to stick to one topic. Um, I guess the ethos of uh, One Year of Jazz is what I like to call the alchemy of hip-hop, this idea that um, I'm moving through life uh, with with a sort of hip-hop gaze. You know, it's like I'm always looking at opportunities of where something can be created. And, you know, spending time with the intern, just going round shops, going in, like, thrift stores or old dirty record shops, realising that he can be flicking through one euro jazz records, like find something, and then it can actually give birth to, um, to like a piece of art that, that I don't know, that you, uh, that you sort of relate to, or that you put yourself next to, you, you feel represented by, even myself yeah. having created it, you know, it's like I feel represented by something that um, essentially was made from nothing, this sort of alchemy. Yeah, so where else have you, uh, for the rest of, uh, well, not for the rest of, but for the, for the future, I guess, what, what's, what's next, I guess? So I'm, I'm currently working on an album that I'm super excited about. Um, it's called Clemency Under the Acer. It's probably going to come out the last quarter of the year. I don't know how I'm going to release it yet, whether I'm going to sort of release it in uh, singles or release it as a full project straight away. Um, right. And then up, leading up until that, I'm just going to continue to put out, continue to put out songs, you know, in a in a rap poetics vein, like mm. two minute songs, sort of diary entries of songs, um, and I, I I think I'm really concerned about sort of capturing uh, fleeting moments through music, you know, and through the way I'm going to package the music, even if they're very short, you know, like two minute, one minute ideas, um, perhaps trying to give the opportunity for something that would never see the light of day to see the light of day, you know? Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, I'm, so look, I'm looking forward to that, honestly. 
No, I was I was just asking myself like, oh, when's the album coming though? What's it? <laughs> Is that okay? Good. All right, that's good. I mean, I can't wait. I can't wait for that. Um, all right, so we've I finish up with a interview. Well, with Dice anyway. Um, with a top five, and uh, yeah. So, what's your top five? Basically, it, it can be. Ooh, so wait, it's, is, it, is it top five MCs or top it, five it, That's that's the thing. It's, it's it's your top five. It could be anything you want. It can be music based. It could be food based. I don't give a shit. It don't matter. It's your okay. top five in it. So you and you only have one shot for it. So. Yeah, you make it count, no, right? Nobody ever gave you the, the sort of... Um, make it as broad or as specific as you like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so... I'm going to pick uh, a various... To- I'm, I'm going to pick... My, my top five are going to be... Each each member of my top five are top for different reasons, you know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> that makes any sense. But I'll explain them as I go. Okay, okay so number one... but. But in no particular order. Number one is, of course, <laughs> of course, Blackfoot is mm-hmm. my number one. Yep. Blackfoot is number one because he is such an incredible lyricist and such a uh, such a poet. Yeah. Such an artist. His ability to make music with the roots that is like for someone to 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 sustain their um their like strong sense of poetry. Yeah. But also be able to have so much flavor as a musician. Yeah. Just blows my mind. Mm. So, I mean, the roots and and Blackfoot particularly being outlined within that, uh, you know, put out some of my favorite albums. And so this is also in the top. So how I got over the undone, um, and then you shoot your cousin, or then you shot your cousin, mm. uh, things fall apart, mm. and these albums. The Roots, bro. The Roots and Blackfoot, number one. Okay. Um, number two, uh, Kid Cudi, you know? Uh, Kid Cudi as a as a as an artist, as an artistic entity, you know? The, the ideas that he had in a time where those ideas were so scarce and we really needed them, the fact that he was being so open, mm. uh, led me to this path that I'm on, you know? Uh, Man on the Moon 1 and 2 it's just mind-blowing for me uh, what he's doing with his voice using his voice as a real instrument um, you know people clown the, the hum but man the hum resonates with the soul it's, it's, uh, he's got something man so Kid Cudi number 2 um, Del the Funky Homo Sapien uh, Deltron 3030 one of my favourite albums my favourite concept albums mm. his to sort of uh, have such a strong character, like vocally, um, but still maintain sort of like his seriousness and see ideas through. I feel he could rhyme about something uh, for four minutes and, and, and stay on topic. You know? And I, I, I really like that as an artist, like the ability to say, uh, to stick to a concept. So I, I, love, I love Deltron 3030 as an album for that and, and them as a collective. Um Oof. And then I guess free would be a bit of a cheat code. <laughs> I'm gonna say art rap as a as a sort of movement. So you know, under that umbrella, you know, not to bunch artists together because they, of course, they are different. But under that umbrella is your Milo, your Open Mic Eagles, your uh, your bus drivers. Man, I feel like they've created such a Open Mic Eagle, particularly as well, has created such a a, a unique identity for himself in hip-hop mm. um, 
and you know it, it it's truly relatable for somebody who um i'm speaking from experience who's someone who doesn't perhaps uh fit the the stereotypes of that, that are often portrayed through hip-hop mm-hmm. whether that's relating to masculinity or you know success yeah uh I think he's he's a he's a great lyricist and he's I, I I think I love Open Mike Eagle and the whole art rap movement for the same reason of my love of nuance, my love of philosophy, my love of comedy. You know the the ability to see the uh, the irony in in terrible situations. You mm-hmm. know? And, you know, unite people through that. So yeah, I, I I love that whole movement. So number four, uh, I have to say Eric Mason. I have to. Nah, I can't win today. <clears throat> God, you're making it a bitch to edit. What's up, I tell you? Or oh, my Wi-Fi. I think it was me this time. Oh boy, I think it was me this time. <laughs> Sorry about that, man. Um, yeah, Eric Mason, the, the artist I was mentioning from Minneapolis, he's created two of the most important soundtracks to my life, you know? He's created an album called Detail and then an album called Up Nope. And those albums, man, poetically, what they do musically, I, I don't know an artist who's pushing the boundaries of sound like he is it's just incredible and it and it's so sort of concise and flows into one another and that's what i love about albums mm-hmm. and I, I love albums that sort of they're a full experience and you don't feel uh, as though the songs are changing you know it's just all one flows into one beautiful mirage of sound so i love eric mason for that um was that my fourth that was my fourth right yeah my more oh Man, that gets tricky. Uh, so my fifth, my fifth, my fifth. Um, mm-hmm. That's a good question, man. <laughs> uh, this this could be many things, and not because not because one of them is less, but it could be many. But mm. I'm gonna go for. Uh, I'm gonna go for uh, I'm gonna go for uh, POS. So POS is an MC. POS is an MC who's signed to uh, who has been signed to Rhymesayers, but move maneuvers through art through his own collective and and label Doomtree. Um, I feel he has such an incredible ability to sort of. Uh, he, how can I how can I describe it to blend genres in such an authentic way mm. like you know you, you get you get silly crossovers of rock rap and all sorts of punk rap and it just doesn't feel right it doesn't fit right but right. P.O.S. because he's true to that because he actually is punk at his essence you know he's he's listened to punk but he's also exactly hip-hop at his essence you know he's a real mc because he is both of those worlds he makes music that is so incredibly 
sort of melded together, uh, melding the, together those two worlds. And he has such a sort of um, sort of a, a poetic abrasiveness about his music. It, it, me- it really makes it really motivates me and makes me want to um, make, makes me want to pick apart the system you know of conditioning and the system of oppression that we live in so pos man so hats off to, to pos one of my favorites yeah that's that's my five okay a top five soul over the place and has a whole damn subgenre of hip-hop in there it's just so <laughs> that's so fitted that is so damn fitted that is so damn fitted oh spencer thank you very much for your time this has been this has been it's good it's, it's great I'm, I'm glad we got it done glad we got it done after all, after all the bollocks. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine, bro. It's all good. It's how it's how it happens. It's how it goes sometimes. But finally, finally, again, appreciate your time. So that was my interview with Mr. Spencer. Once again, thank you to him for his time and for his patience. Um, finally got it done. <laughs> got it done out of the way. <laughs> and that was a bitch to edit, just for the record. That was a hell. That was a hell of an edit. My days, my days, my days, my days. But I think it came out okay. You know, <laughs> for what it was, it came out okay. Obviously, from a sound quality perspective, I'm not exactly happy. But in terms of the conversation, it was probably one of the most enlightening ones I've had in a while. Uh, super refreshing for me and uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it too and with that said ladies and gentlemen from the fifth Film podcast network I've been Chaito and this has been what's good music throughout has been by Brock Berrigan Point Pleasant and Baxter if you want to check out the from the album Point Pleasant I'll drop that into the link in the description below along with all the other stuff I did in the formalities at the beginning and also the discord if you want to join that squad as well but yeah Once again, hope you enjoyed. Have a great week, everybody. I shall always try and do the same. Until the next time, take it easy. Ladies and gentlemen.